Hi Bloom, Seth here welcoming you to our Guided Liturgy podcast. This week we celebrate a momentous day in church history, Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples and the birth of the church out of that experience. This week we're joined by our usual guests, Taryn, Dulcy, and David calling in from Texas, and we'll have our usual liturgy as well as a recording of the song Breath of God that was written in our community specifically for Pentecost a few years ago. In this week's discussion, as we talk about what happened at Pentecost, We also get into a somewhat lengthy conversation surrounding the true nature of the church as seen in this passage to be comprised of people from all ethnicities and backgrounds and the ways in which we as a local expression of the church have fallen short of that call. The world is so heavy right now and our goal is to humbly examine how to move forward towards justice and towards peace as the spirit leads us. So let's start that conversation together, Bloom, and get into the liturgy. The Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of God. Love is Christ loved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Put away all anger and bitterness, all slander and malice. So let us confess our sin to God who forgives us in Christ. In a dark and disfigured world, we have not held out the light of life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. In a hungry and despairing world, we have failed to share our bread. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. In a cold and loveless world, we have kept the love of God to ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all of our days. Amen. We pray to God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, creator, and renew the earth. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, Counselor, and touch our lips that we may proclaim your word. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, power from on high. Make us channels of peace and ministers of healing. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, breath of God. Give life to the dry bones around us and make us a living people holy and free. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, wisdom and truth. Strengthen us to be bold in faith. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Feeling up. 
Let's join together now with the church worldwide and say the prayer of the day together. Almighty God, on this day you opened the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel, that it may reach the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Hear a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. 
On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. So as I was thinking about the journey of these disciples, what's hit me, and I'm sure it's everything that we're going through as a world is coloring how, how I see this story, but I've seen the humanity in this. One, I've seen the humanity and just the goodbye of Jesus to his disciples. I mean, in the last several Sundays, we've gone back to these passages where Jesus is preparing those that have been with him for years, who have given everything that they have to him, that they've believed in this vision of life together, of humanity, of the kingdom of God on the earth. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen the sick healed. They've seen the blind see. They've seen 
people from the outside be brought into the family of God on the earth. And, and so he's preparing them for his crucifixion and for eventually him, uh, even after his resurrection, for him leaving them altogether. And the humanity of these passages and of that story of goodbye has, has, has sat with me much heavier than it has in past years for them to lose their friend, their rabbi, the one who inspired them, the one who really defines their entire lives and their entire being. To lose that is, it's got to be painful to say the least and leaving them in a place of, so what's next? What, you know, what do we do with our lives now? What do we do with this place in our hearts that's been awakened to something so much more beautiful than we could have ever come to on our own, the kingdom of God? They're told to wait. They're told that there is coming for them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they really have no concept as to what that means. So they saw some of them, uh, Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit at Jesus's baptism. And they could, I'm sure, see that it's, it was the power of God. It was the power of the Spirit that defined the ministry of Jesus. But they had no idea of what that was to feel like for them. And so they're just put in this place of waiting for something that they're really not clear as to what it is and what it will be and, and when is it coming. But I'm sure they're longing for it because they miss Jesus desperately. I'm sure they, I mean, if you think about what their life was like, I mean, what, you know, what they did day after day after day was just to see the restoration of all things unfold right before them. Mm. And when you're living in that place of being in the center of the outpouring of the kingdom of God on the earth, and you're seeing humanity wake up to the most beautiful reality of existence, I think that probably you get a bit addicted to that. And as Peter says, like, where else are we going to go? Because you are the one that has the words of life. So I think they would have waited years even if they knew that there was just a piece of that, even if it was just a a taste of that that was to be given to them from the Father, from Creator, uh, that they would actually have planted inside of their very souls. I'm sure they would have waited for the rest of their lives for that. Yeah. And where do you go after following Jesus for, for years? Where do you go from there? So I've just been trying to get inside of that space a little bit because they, like us, you know, look around in, in the world that we live in is at times so drastically different than the kingdom of God. It's so uninspired and it's so harsh and cold compared to what Christ offers us and what Jesus was drawing them into. And I've just felt myself being in that place of, of longing for something so much better than what we are surrounded by lately. And so... I don't know, this, this passage has just hit me in a different way. And it, it's just to, just to realize that they didn't have the answer. They didn't have the guidebook on what this would be like. They didn't have anything. They just, all they were told to do is to wait that Jesus wasn't leaving them as orphans. So all of this, all this excitement that we see at Pentecost, tongues of fire sound like the rushing wind. I mean, all this stuff seems so powerful and, and dramatic. And it was. But into what state of being did it enter into uh, with these disciples? And I, I don't know the answer. I know that they waited, but I don't know what that waiting was like for them. Would it be weird to draw, like, to to think about the waiting part and, like, how it parallels kind of how 
the season that we that we are in right now as a world? I don't think it's weird in that. Um, I mean, we've already been given the spirit, so we can't relate to that. Right. right. But I think. I think of it this way, it's right to, to, to compare it in a sense. If, if you picture the disciples looking out their window in a sense, I don't know if they had windows, but if they looked out <laughs> the window and looked at the world, which is completely uninspired, government is oppressive, systems are oppressive. I mean, it doesn't match with everything they've experienced. And they're like, so they're waiting for something more. I think that we can't say that we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, but we can, you're right, that we can relate to that feeling of like, we look outside our window and we see a vastly uninspired landscape, you know? Yeah. And so it draws us to do the same thing they did. They had the same posture, which was to, to have open hearts and receptive hearts to the spirit of God. I mean, that's where we are the same as them is that the, the ask is the same. Hmm. Uh, their posture is the exact same posture that, that we're invited into today. I mean, just at the most base level of, you know, Dave, you're asking about like our response to the human piece of this. I mean, just, <laughs> This story is still wild to us when we read it, and we we have had exposure to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and have had experience with it yeah. and have some frame of reference. Um, again, not that this has to be a part of the discussion, but just... I'm just trying to get my mind started to think Mm -hmm. from the human side. This is the Holy Spirit's very first appearance. So it's not like they sat around and talked about the Holy Spirit before this. Yeah, they would have had a uh, a basic framework of God as spirit, but they would not have understood the spirit indwelling people. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, like I said, just at base level and the fact that this is still a wild story to us and we have experienced it and heard about it and you know and it's part of our lives I mean it just had to have been what when this was happening yeah I mean I think that's such a great question on a human level how are people wrapping their minds around this? Not that you can fully, but, and how deeply impactful is that? That's, that's the crazy thing about this because they, you have a group of people who I, I think have, are holding both, you know, a, a state of mourning what they've lost mm. and, the physical Jesus leaving them, right. their friend. They're holding on to his words, I would say extremely tightly, because they're hoping that those words are true, that mm-hmm. they will get some sense of, you know, a re-invitation back into the life that they had experienced for the last right. several years of their lives. Right, right. 
And it's a whole new thing, right? Yes. So I think that, you know, existing within themselves was both a grief and a loss. And I would say an expectation and an openness that I would say is, is bigger than anything I've experienced in my own heart. I, this whole story has been illuminating for me of my own heart. And I don't walk around with that kind of expectation. Like if I don't see what Jesus said was going to happen, happen, I could die. Like I have nothing else to live for anymore. The, the ask is the same. Yeah. For us and for them, it's it's completely open your hearts to the Spirit of God. Hmm. Right. And how many times do we open our hearts to having the same thing on the other side? Like, what I mean by that is like, um, you know, we come to Jesus, we come to Christ with our wants and our desires and he says, yes, um, I'm going to fulfill that. And then he fulfills it a different way than I wanted it to mm-hmm. be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, am I open mm-hmm. to, <laughs> you know, Jesus like doing a whole new thing um, through the spirit than what I, I mean, I think that's what I'm just really, they were so open to it. I'm kind of blown away by that right now. I, I don't think I've ever thought of it in, in the terms that they were looking for Jesus to come back. And then they would be traveling around with him and performing miracles. And instead, like the, they were the ones to be traveling around and performing miracles. Um, I don't know. It's just like really different than probably what they thought, yet they were still super open to it. Well, now I'm illuminated, Dave. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) Yeah. And it's going back to that whole idea that feels like it's a reoccurring theme of, of openness free from expectation or or free from limiting that to what you assume it's going to be or how how it's going mm-hmm. to play out and it and in part is our openness to the other i mean all of this is supernatural right none of this this just reminds us that like nothing about our faith is controllable or makes sense or can be plotted out on a chart. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are talking about the spirit of the being who created all that we see and holds it all together is, is, is now going to be one with us. None of it is, is controllable, but they're open to it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that they're open to it to this great extent in part because the world around them, the tangible world, the the government, the systems, the people, I mean, everything is so utterly disappointing Hmm. compared to what they've experienced with Jesus. Yeah. And to receive even that posture change we see in them, right? Like hiding, um, doubt, uncertainty and the spirit comes and then it's like there's just something unshrinkable about them all of a sudden like they just stand up um and are unshakable and there's there's something really powerful in that as well um for me at least especially looking at all that's going on right now and just the the anger and the frustration and um to know that like there's a posture when the spirit comes where 
we can stand with our brothers and sisters and not have fear or, or whatever it is, like whatever the spirit is doing. But the mm. posture change is so incredible there. Yeah, I think the question I'm wrestling with as, as, as you're talking about the pieces that we can relate to, the looking out our window to the world that we see and, mm-hmm. and um, longing for something different, what does a posture of expectancy look like for me now, for us? Taryn, I feel like you... Um just asked again out loud the question that has been in my mind for a while that I'm asking back to myself is how do I have that same posture of openness? How do I Mm -hmm. open my heart wider to the spirit of God? I mean, how do you even go about doing that? Mm -hmm. I think that one thing for me is to see the beauty of Christ and to want that. And we want it for ourselves. Like I think for the disciples, they wanted that friendship back. I think they wanted that presence. I mean, could you imagine being in the presence of the incarnated Christ? It must have felt like nothing that they could ever imagine that they've experienced before or will after. We want that intimacy for ourselves. But I think as Jesus always does to us, uh, we start wanting it for the world. Mm -hmm. Because you can't come into contact with Jesus, anything he said or did, and and you most certainly can't be filled with the Spirit of God and not be changed in a way that you want the expression of of love and grace and kindness and peace and healing that you see Christ hold be poured out on all creation, on all people. Mm-hmm. There's this like longing for the universal redemption. Mm-hmm. And then it matches up with things that Jesus just kind of said to them, uh, to his disciples when they were, you know, walking around doing stuff. He said, you're going to do greater things than, than I'm going to do. And, and you're going to, complete this work that I started. You're going to go into all nations and you're going to see people uh, just like you were a disciple. You're going to see people, uh, thousands and thousands of people be uh, raised up to, to follow in the way of Christ as well. And so we see that it's also that we're the incarnation of Christ through the spirit. Hmm. We become the incarnation of Christ to be used in a way that Christ flows through us and and brings that redemption on the earth. We want to see people of every race and ethnicity and and gender and age and everything that's covered in this passage. We want to see people brought into that family of the new humanity on the earth. Mm -hmm. We want it all. I've, I've been thinking about this passage a lot in response to what's been happening in the world with the murder of George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor before that, and Ahmaud Arbery before that, I find myself praying more than ever for the Spirit to come. Mm-hmm. I want to be like the disciples and just anxiously wait for the mm-hmm. Spirit to come and to comfort and to be with us. 
I think that's kind of the call of the church right now in this era, in this time. It's like, call upon the Holy Spirit not only to comfort you, but also to just put a fire under your butt mm-hmm. to go and, and care for the, the people that are hurting mm-hmm. and the people that um, are suffering and experiencing injustice. And right. that, that's what has been kind of fueling me lately. It's asking the Spirit to come and just come in power. You know, that's, that's what I want in my life right now. And so thank God for Pentecost. Mm. Amen. You know, y'all bring up these names and um, more and more, although it's, it's happened for a much longer time, we've seen black Americans be the recipients of violence and racism and, and t- a massive amount of injustice. And um, I, I think that we can look back at the institutional evangelical, whatever American church and, and say that the church does nothing. And, and many times propagates mm-hmm. this, this stream of racism that runs under the current. And, and a lot of times, well, certainly above the current of our culture. But if we go back to this day of Pentecost, which, which is not only the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it's also the birth of the church, of the people of God filled by the Spirit of God in order to do, to be Christ, to the body of Christ to the world. It was the birth of the church. And these disciples, I'm sure they, after the day, I mean, they were probably, you know, like, well, none of that was on our agenda. I mean, wind and right. fire and speaking in other languages, like it was all pretty much, I'm sure, unplanned for. <laughs> but what they were doing was speaking about the works and the glory and I'm sure the compassion and the love of Christ. They were speaking this out loud in languages they had never learned. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the first work of the Spirit of God and dwelled in the hearts of people is to transcend racial and mm-hmm. ethnic mm-hmm. boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. And people watching this, I mean, people, it was, it was Jews that had lived in other places. So, you know, might as well be, uh, you know, different ethnicities at that point, because it had been so long since they were together. There were people uh, just from other places, other regions, other, you know, having their own, cultural norms and their own languages and, and they see these Galileans which for the most part were uneducated and, and had no business knowing the languages of others and the spirit is giving this them this ability that's why they thought they were drunk because they were like they're, you know they're probably just drunk Galileans but they start hearing what they're saying and they start hearing about Christ and what Christ has done for them and who he is to us and the very first act of the Holy Spirit is to build an international congregation of people. This was so different than anything that anyone had seen before. And the government by all definitions was oppressive and the cultural norms. I mean, you had people, you had women, being second-class citizens, and we see in the writings of Paul that he's constantly saying there is no slave, there is no 
they're free. There is no man. There's no woman in Christ. There's this sense that the spirit of God is this, is this great equalizer in the new humanity. And I just say all that to say that if there's some body of people that claims to be the church and that is not at the core of who they are, they're not the spirit filled church. If there's someone who claims to be a Christian and that's not at the heart of who they are, then they are not filled with the spirit. It's really clear and simple. The spirit of God brings unity and salvation and healing and everything that we saw Jesus himself be about on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so it is with the body of Christ, people of God filled with the spirit of God in our day, just as it was on this day. So that's what we're about. And I don't know if that hits you or what that does to you. And, and for me, I go, if I'm not about that, then again, the invitation is the same. Open your heart more. Yeah. The piece that, that I'm just sitting here thinking about is that the unifying piece where they were speaking the languages of other groups outside of their ability. I mean, specifically to the time that we're in now, if we do talk, if we are talking about longing and it being bigger and it is unifying and, you know, the longing that is stirring in me comes out of a, um, a sense of, I don't want to say ignorance, but I do feel a little bit like it is ignorance from my position of privilege to even know how to engage what's happening in a way that is spirit-filled. My longing would be that the spirit would move in such a way that it wouldn't be agenda-driven or our own motives or or limited by our humanity, but but mm. that would just kind of blow the doors open between cultures and race and language and gender and all of that in anointing us to know even how to proceed forward. I, I feel, I mean, helpless. I don't even know if that's the word. I just, I don't know. I do have fear of offending. I have fear of who am I. Mm -hmm. um, and it has me a little bit paralyzed in the unknown or, or the not knowing. And yeah, my longing is that God, what would it look like for the Holy Spirit to just take over in us and through us across lines? Those are just the thoughts that, that you've kind of ignited in me with this. And I think Bloom being really not, not a super diverse church has some work to do in this area. Yeah. That we can take cues from, from the disciples from the early church and like, I think we have a heart of inclusivity here at Bloom, but it doesn't always play out that way. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, think, I think Bloom has some work to do as far as diversity goes and like how we, how we engage with communities that are different than ours. And I guess we, we look to the Spirit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to unite us, to guide us in conversation, to guide us in how we engage with our community around us and how we be Christ, see Christ in, in each other and um, into the world around us. And 
So I don't know what that looks like, but I know that I'm ready to do the work Mm -hmm. to do it, to make it happen. I also think we're being encouraged to do that Um, from what I've seen from my friends of color, from my family of color, to say, yes, Dulcie, stand up. And so I have to be willing to be uncomfortable and I have to be willing to be open to what the spirit may do in me that is completely different than how I want it to look, than what I expected it to look like. Um, But yeah, I wonder if that invitation is not an internal one or those of us who aren't of color who have a lot of privilege yeah i think the presence and the work of the spirit in our hearts is always drawing us to expand our view of the kingdom of god on the earth and the work of christ in us among us and through us and it's expanding our view of what that kingdom looks like and who all it includes and that is what the spirit does it's it's a expanding of our lives and our hearts and our mission and our community it's never a narrowing and i yeah that's right i hear you seth i hear yeah i, I bloom is where it is and you know we're uh i would say yeah a, a narrow representation of the body of christ but as we open our hearts collectively more and more to the Spirit of God, the only thing that can happen is that we become a wider, more diverse, more inclusive expression yeah. of the church, of the kingdom of God on the earth, of the body of Christ, because that's what the Spirit does. I mean, we're not in control of this. Right. I, I think that when you when you start to control it, that's when you start to move yourself so far to the fringes of what God's doing that you just kind of fall off Mm -hmm. and the, the kingdom of God just passes you by. And what a sad thing to be said of our life at the end of our days. If that's, if that was our journey and our experience with the spirit is that for the sake of control, we got shoved to the side Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, that we fell off of the, of the stream of redemption in the world. So I, I think that we have to, as the disciples did, you can't control, you can't, uh, manip- I mean, what a low goal that would be is if, the, if we got to tell God how he would hold and love and care for his children, who is every single person who has ever lived. I mean, if we got to determine that, then it would look a lot like us. But what you see in this passage even is that it looks nothing like what anyone planned for. And all they could do is follow, and that's really all we can do. We're not in charge of it, but it's so fun to be in it. It feels a little bit of a game of angles or an issue of angles in that when we talk about being inclusive, um, I guess immediately I envision this like inviting people into Mm -hmm. what I've already established or into what Mm -hmm. I've already defined, and I'm like allowing people to join me in my thing or what I am comfortable in. And I'm feeling very convicted as I'm sitting here to think, why does not inclusive represent me going out and putting myself under somebody else as a servant to say, what, what do you need? And is there any way I can serve you? Not because of my position, you know, but I would never want to assume that you are comfortable or that your needs are going to be met into this thing that I've defined and invited you into, into to be quote unquote inclusive. Mm. Why does inclusive not look like us going out just as Jesus did humbling himself Mm -hmm. to be that of a servant? It's God that defines 
the whole thing for us. I love, Taryn, what you said. I love what you said about being inclusive is not just in including everyone into the experience that we've already had. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, that's what we think sometimes, but it's allowing ourselves to be filled with and used by the great includer, mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. creator, that that God is the one that defines the experience into which all people are included and right. invited into. And I think that's a a really profound distinction. If it stops it, I want everyone to be a part of what I've experienced right. and we're missing it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It, it it's we have no idea what's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. If we did one, it wouldn't be very fun, and two, it wouldn't be Christ. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It'd be us. Mm-hmm. Right. Bloom, if uh, this little group that we have here is any representation of our larger community, then it's fair to say that we're all in different places with, um, gosh, everything that we've been carrying as a community and as a world in the past several months and our prayer for you sincerely from your staff and your leadership is simple but it's that you would be more open to the spirit of god that you would be inspired by christ that you would see the beauty that god is and in all of creation that you would be grafted into and um and lifted up by and be made one with the work of Christ in the world. So whatever it looks like for you, whatever uh, level that is or wherever you are in your own journey uh, with with Christ, uh, we speak the grace and the peace of Christ over you. May your hearts be open. May they be soft. And may Christ himself be made one with you as you are made one with the church, with all of us through Christ to see the kingdom of God grow and expand in beautiful ways in our city and on the earth. Have a happy Pentecost day. We love you. Gathering our prayers and our praises into one. Let us pray as Christ our Savior has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you humbled yourself in taking the form of a servant, and in obedience died on the cross for our salvation. Give us the mind to follow you, and to proclaim you as Lord and King, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And Bloom, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and bring you peace. And may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain in you always. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus.